0: Well, good morning. Try that again. Good morning. Hey, what a delight to be here at Centerpoint. Thank you so much. I've asked John Smith to let me come for the last five years, and you all had to send him to Europe before he... I don't think he knows I'm here today, so don't tell him. But it's what a delight. John came to Montgomery as a single guy. He was an engineer. He came to church. We tried to help him get dates. He never could get a date in fact, we nicknamed him Bedspread. He was turned down so many times. <laughs> Till finally, a wonderful, beautiful girl, Debbie, came along and they married. He then said, uh, Maybe God's calling me into the ministry. So he became our college pastor and then young adult pastor and then became teaching pastor. And you know, there's not a more talented person any place in the world than John. And to have Shane Seegers also. I feel right at home today, but the best part of them is Debbie. So I do thank uh, you all for letting me come and be a part of this today. To those who are watching at other sites, John said, you have sites at uh, Pike Road, Weetumpka, Cloverdale, New York, Mississippi. I don't know where all, he just went down the list. You got more sites and Troy has campuses, I think. And this, hey, I feel, I feel a little out of place in a sense when I came through those doors. When you go look in there, I've never been in Saloon A <laughs> before to be doing this. So that's delighted to have my wife, Lynn. Stand up, Lynn. You got her sitting down here with the seniors, and I don't want y'all to confuse her with <laughs> one of the seniors there. Uh, so you got a great, great church here. Just a couple of quick things when I... Uh, I retired eight years ago, mandatory retirement. The group of guys put together a leadership ministry and said, "We want you to train pastors. I had no idea that God could open so many doors. And in the last eight years, I've had a chance to train about 9,000 pastors. And I do a lot with coaches and sports teams and businesses. But one of the things that's been the most encouraging has been the. Involvement in a God-sized vision that Dr. Bill Bright, who was head of Campus Crusade, had. It was to start five million churches. Now say five million. Five million. To win one billion new Christians. Say one billion. One By 2020. Now I happened to be the Methodist that he knew and he asked me to serve on the steering committee. I had no idea what I was getting into. It's been one of the most marvelous things I've ever been a part of. In fact, in the last eight or nine years, we're now almost 65% of that goal of starting five million churches. We're at about 70% of the goal of winning a billion new Christians. So I hope that you're praying. Now, there's a little brochure out here. Part of my, my responsibility is in India. Uh, I go twice a year, have about 2,000 pastors in training there. And I got a little brochure here. I would like to you give an honorarium to the speaker. Now, that doesn't go to me. That's going to this God-sized vision, so your church has something of a financial investment in it. I hope you'll also pray. There are a lot of pictures here of some of the things that happen. One of the church I preach in every time over there that hosted in southern India, I mean, our churches over there are big. You know how many folks they have on Sunday morning? They average 46,000 people in worship. And when you talk to the pastors that are coming and I'm supposed to be training them, you ask them, Well, what have you done in the last six months? They think nothing of saying, Well, we started six or eight churches, we've baptized eight or nine hundred people. They just think that's average. Now I wish that could be captured here in America. I'd like you to get one of these and you can pray about it. Also inside, I post a blog each week. And uh, some of the newspapers carry it. There's a copy of a couple of these in there. Read it and say, hey, I'd like to get that. We're not going to be asking you for money or anything, but there's a way uh, you can get that. And then also every day, every day, I do a one-minute audio devotional thought on Facebook. I actually do it for some radio stations, but we put it on Facebook. In fact, I had a Division I coach who a couple of weeks ago sent out a thing saying, our family always begins breakfast with John Ed Matheson's one-minute devotional. Now, you can uh, turn and you can, if you're interested in that, read this right. If you don't like it, just save it for this winter. It makes a great way to start a fire, and you can hang on to it right there. Also, I'm going to be talking, John asked me to deal with this. The number one question that churches And sports team and businesses have today. The number one, many people say, is change. How do you cope with change? And what do you change and what don't you change? So I just finished a little book and put it together on change. And I'm going to address that here today. There's some of these available out at the table. Uh, Also, I'd like to ask you to pick one of these up and take it home and uh, pray about it. Uh, This... uh, book on change it's a cost is ten dollars from my ministry and then there's another little book there about redefining the possible but I want to thank you for this privilege of coming today and to sharing with you Uh, a few years ago I was invited to speak in North Carolina to a large layman's rally the man in charge of it was one of the biggest car dealers in the country Royce Reynolds he had about 10 or 12 car dealerships I just asked him what's going on in the car business he said, well, I'm trying to decide whether to buy four new dealerships. I said, well, why are you trying to decide to buy them? He said, they're for sale. I said, well, why are they for sale? He said, because they're going broke. They're going belly up. I said, now, wait a minute. I'm a layman in business. Why would a successful businessman buy something that's going under? He said, we've studied it. We know why they're going under. I said, why? He said, they're still trying to do business today today like they did 10 years ago. And if you try to operate an automobile business today like you did 10 years ago, you're not going to be in business long. And then he said something that transformed my ministry. He said, John Ed, the same thing is true of the church. If you keep trying to do church today like you did 10 years ago, the church won't be around very long. And I never forgot that. A couple of years later, I read in a news article where Royce Reynolds and his wife had just given $2 million to missions above his regular pledge. Now I'm not real smart, but I figured if you give two extra million dollars, business has been pretty good. And I asked him, I said, tell me, did you buy those dealerships? He said, I did. And he said, what else is those were the most productive of all the dealerships I own." I said, tell him again what you told me. He said, John Ed, they were trying to do business in today like they did in the past. And all we did was bring them up to date. And then he said, remember what I told you about the church? What are you doing about the church? And that's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes this morning. Where's Center Point going to be a year from now? Where will you be five years from now? Where will you be 15 years from now? I would suggest that where you are as a church is going to be directly related to how well you cope with change. You know what doesn't change, and you know what does change. And you have to keep those two distinguished. When I moved to Montgomery in 1972, my kids were small. Their favorite eating place was Howard Johnson's on the Eastern Bypass. They loved Howard Johnson's. At that time, Howard Johnson's did more business than Kentucky Fried Chicken, Burger King, and McDonald's all put together. Now, those three fast food restaurants continually change. Howard Johnson didn't. When's the last time you ate at a Howard Johnson's? When's the last time you saw a Howard Johnson's? But is anybody in here that hasn't eaten at a McDonald's or Burger King or Kentucky Fried Chicken in the last five years? You see, if you don't stay up-to-date in how you do things, you don't stay in business. So you've got an outline in your bulletin. Let me walk through this with you for a moment, and you can fill it in and make some notes. And this little book right here uh, amplifies this in a lot of different ways. A lot of businesses are using this, and sports teams uh, change. What is changeless, and what must be changing? Now, that's two concepts, Now part of the problem with the church and with life is we tend to want to change what is changeless and we're reluctant to change in areas where we need to change. So let me address those for a moment. First, what is changeless? Let me give you three things with some verses of Scripture. What doesn't change for the church? What doesn't change is the man, the master, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 8 says... Jesus Christ is the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Now, there are a lot of folks today trying to change who Jesus is. Was he really human? Was he really divine? Was he really born of a virgin? Did he really do miracles? All this stuff about Jesus. Listen, what the church needs to do is quit trying to change Jesus and instead lift him up. He said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. We're here to lift him up. There was a little boy who was promoted at Sunday school. When he got home, he told his dad, and his dad was a little surprised he got promoted. But he said, tell me, who's your new Sunday school teacher? The little boy thought for a moment. He said, Daddy, I can't remember her name. The father said, you mean you've been in Sunday school for a full hour and you can't remember the name? He said, that's right, but... But, Daddy, I think it was Jesus' grandmother. (laughs) Now, fascinated by that response, he said, What do you mean, Jesus' grandmother? He said, Well, Daddy, all she did the whole hour was just hold up a picture of Jesus and brag on him. (laughs) Now, let me tell you, that's good teaching. That's good preaching. Parents, that's a good way to teach at home. If you lift up Jesus, he isn't to be changed. He is changeless. He... Is to be lifted up. A second thing that doesn't change is the message this man preached. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Everyone, everyone, the message of Jesus was for every person. Now, now let me share a personal opinion. I believe that today the message of Jesus is more relevant than it's ever been in history. Because it talks about how people can be changed and life can be different. Every person Jesus met, he said basically one thing to them Hey, you don't have to live tomorrow like you're living today. I can give you a new life. And there was a prostitute caught in the act of adultery, he gave her a new life. There was a paralytic that had never walked, he helped him start walking. Must have been about this time of the year there was an IRS agent up in a sycamore tree named Zacchaeus. Nobody liked him and he had cheated people. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. You can be different. Let me tell you good news. You can be different. If you've come this morning and life in what it ought to be, you don't have to walk out the door the same person. Jesus came to give us life and to make us different. Now, let me ask you this. In the river region, How many folks last night had to take something to put them to sleep and had to take something else this morning to help get them going? And how many folks just feel like life is a merry-go-round of meaningless activity? Did you see the news this week? Suicide has risen 24%, and we're living in an age where we have more than we've ever had but people are committing suicide. With the death of Prince, it's now becoming obvious that pain medication, people are becoming more and more addicted to it. Listen, the message of Jesus is you don't have to do that. Did you know that in colleges and high schools today, students are smoking less tobacco and more marijuana? And the jury's out on how bad that's going to turn out. Let me tell you, people are looking for some way to cope. I'd like to tell you that the message of Jesus is simply this. I can make you a new person. We don't preach survival of the fit, but revival of the unfit. And the message of Jesus is you can be a new person. Hey, that doesn't change. Don't ever in this church alter that or fail to proclaim it. That's what people need to hear. It's good news. It's hope. It's about possibilities. And then the third thing that doesn't change is the mission of the church. In Matthew 28 19, Jesus said, Now this is what I want you to do. Go and make disciples. Let me tell you the toughest thing about a church. We know what the mission is, and sometimes we're engaged in it, but then after we start to grow, there's a danger in becoming successful. You'll be very, very successful. Let me tell you what your danger is. You start doing a lot of things that are good that will get you away from what your mission is. They're good, but they're not the best because they don't stay focused on the mission. Go and make disciples. The reason we're in business as a church is to see folks saved. John's Vist and all these places in Europe, they've got these huge cathedrals over there. They're monumental architectural genius. Uh, they used to be big churches. Today, nobody goes to them except tourists. And the uh, tour guide was showing a group of folks from America through one of those great old cathedrals and one little lady raised her hand and said, can I ask you a question, sir? I understand all the architecture and all the history of this church, but let me ask you, has anybody been saved here lately? That's a question we ought to ask in the church all the time. Anybody been saved here lately? That's the mission of the church. And remember, the main thing Is to keep the main thing the main thing. Hey, don't change that. The master, his message, and his mission. Now let me jump to the tougher part. That's changeless. Leave it alone. Now, what must be changing? And this is where we sometimes are awfully reluctant. In every church, you got three kinds of people: you got risk takers, you got caretakers. And you got undertakers. And in the church in America, the undertakers are taking over. You see, you're here today because some folks took a risk a few years ago. You're where you are today because of the risk taken. How much are we willing to continue to ask ourselves, what is the best way to do that? Three areas which we must be asking ourselves, are we willing to change? The first area is in our mindset. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Our minds determine what our actions are. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now let me make some suggestions of some ways in which we've got to change our thinking. I'll tell you what happens in a church like yours. People begin to think, well, I'm not sure we can do that. That's a knock on how good God is. That's putting God in a box and limiting him. I've got another little book out there on the table that I just finished about how God redefines the possible. You see, God, some man, some things are impossible. You know what with God? 50% of all things are possible. Is that right? 90% of all things are possible with God. Is that right? What does it say? All things. Do you really believe that? Don't get in the mindset is, I don't think we can do that. And let me tell you, when you start having a dream and moving forward, you know what you're going to encounter? All the folks that tell you, you can't do that. Their mindset is that churches don't do that. Churches can't do it. Listen, we worship a God that can do anything. And we've got to change our mindset that we can't do that. I'd like to coin a little phrase that I've found because every time we started to do something, folks said you can't do it. It's a little phrase which I call selective deafness. Selective deafness. That means you don't listen to all the folks that tell you what you can't do. Say that term, selective deafness. Say it again. Now, I know a lot of you women think your husband already has that anyway. (laughs) But but I'm talking about it's when folks say you can't do something, don't listen to them. Hey, change your mindset when we say we can't do something. Another area is on a mindset of who does ministry. And see what happens in a church like yours. The more you grow, you say, well, we need to hire more staff and let them do things. Listen, in the New Testament, it was never ordained people that did things or staff people. It was lay folks like you. And this book teaches that every person who becomes a believer becomes a minister. Now, where are you serving? Well, let the pastor do it. That's not the pastor's job. It's not the staff's job. The function of a staff is always to train and equip lay people to do ministry. And we've got to change our thinking about we'll hire folks to do it. A monumental thing is happening next year. You see, in the New Testament, when Jesus sent people out, he sent all lay folks. And that's why the church grew. And for years, that was effective. But then we reached a stage in history 500 years ago where they started hiring professional religious people. Let the priest do it. And the laity let the priest read the scripture and tell them what it said. Even let the priest take communion for them. 500 years ago, a little monk walked up to a church and took out a hammer and nail and put something on the front door of the church at Wittenberg. His name was Martin Luther. Martin Luther. And he said, here are 95 things that must change in this church. And one of the primary ones was the priesthood of all believers. And you know what happened? Lay people again assumed the ministry. That's why the Protestant. you're Protestants. You're a product of that. And next year, 2017, will be the 500th anniversary. You know where I'm going to be on October the 31st, the day that Martin Luther did that? I'm going to be a part of a group in the church at Wittenberg where he tacked that thing on the wall and we're making a commitment that we're going to recreate the whole idea of the ministry of the laity. Because unless that happens, your church, I hope you see yourself as a minister. We've got to change those ideas. And just one other that you hear a lot, hey, we're getting too big. Aren't we getting a little too big? I mean, Got a to park too far away. We tend to think the church is about me and my comfort. This church doesn't exist for me. It exists for me to come and I receive, but then I go out in order to serve. How big should a church be? You know what the Bible says? No church is ever too big. The only time this church will be big enough, listen, is when every member of the river region, every person living in the river region professes Jesus Christ as Lord, then you can say, hey, we're big enough. But until that time, you look and serve and witness and keep moving forward. So what doesn't change? The mindset doesn't change. The second thing that that, the mindset does change, the second thing that must change is the methodology. Now, I'm not going to read this whole passage from 1 Corinthians What Paul basically said is, whatever it takes for me to do, I'm going to use that methodology to bring people to Christ. That's a great attitude. This is a place where change has to take place. We need to be moving forward. I served for 36 years at Fraser. I had the same office and the same desk for 36 years. When I retired, I had to clean out my desk. I just give you a little suggestion? Every 36 years, clean out your desk <laughs> and your closet. You don't know what you'll find there. And let me do what I found when I cleaned out my desk. I found these frequent flyer coupons. A- and they've been sitting in my desk. And I'll be glad to give you one afterwards if you'd like a free frequent flyer coupon. They're on Eastern Airlines. <laughs> okay, if you don't keep things up, you don't stay around long. One of the great things about the River Region is Maxwell Air Force Base and the military. Let me tell you what happened six years ago. The Secretary of Defense came to Montgomery to Maxwell Air Force Base. Relieved of duty was the top military person and the top civilian person in the Air Force. And Robert Gates was asked the question at Maxwell, why are you making such changes? Listen to what he said. I regret that we have some military leaders who are stuck in the old way of doing business. Let me tell you, if you get stuck in doing the old way of business, you're not around very long. One of the parts in this is about the present leadership at, at Maxwell, Lieutenant General Quast. Let me quote what he said just last year. He said at Maxwell... We're adapting to the fact that the world is changing, and we must take a fresh look at the process of how leaders are trained. This is a different age. Friends, let me tell you, I'm glad Maxwell is staying up to date. I'm glad they're not stuck in an old way of thinking. Because you know what General Quas said about a month after that? He said, if you're in a business and you don't keep up, all you do is lose your business. But if you're in the military and you don't keep up, there won't be anything left to keep up. You see, we've got to learn to do things differently. We've got to learn to move in different ways. How is God leading us? Our methodologies have to always be constantly changing. One of the things I see when I go from church to church oftentimes is people get stuck in doing something and we just keep trying to make it work and it doesn't work anymore. Now listen, you're on the cutting edge. Center point's on the cutting edge. But can I just say to you that the edge changes when you're cutting? And you better be careful six months from now or a year from now and how well these methodologies are working. Look, if it doesn't work, leave it alone. Quit trying to make... Don't spend time and energy and resources doing something that you used to do that doesn't work anymore. Listen... If the horse is dead, dismount. (laughs) And faithful leaders are folks who are willing to move forward in a new way. Methodologies have got to change. The last thing. Our ministries have to change. How we reach out to people. Acts 2.45. They sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Now here's the key. At center point, You're a minister. Where's a need? And then you minister at that need in order to bring people to Christ. We have to meet needs. Let me tell you what's happening in other parts of the world just briefly. Here in the United States, we're declining. Major denominations are declining. Even the Southern Baptists lost 200,000 folks last year, and independent and interdenominational churches are declining. You are an exception, and I hope you'll continue to be an exception. But let me tell you, in the United States, we have less and less folks who are professing Christ. Let me tell you about parts of the other parts of the world. I mentioned to you India. In India and in China, There are 25,000 new Christians every day. And churches are exploding. In southern Nigeria this morning, listen, 90% of the whole population is in church. And in Brazil, it's projected that by the year 2025, one half of the people will be professing born-again Christians. In Cuba... One million Christians in the last 10 years. And when you talk about Muslims, and we hear a lot about that, and that's a big topic, do you know that today more Muslims are coming to Christ than at any time in history? In the last 15 years, more Muslims have accepted Christ than in the last 15 centuries. And let me just tell you about one person who's involved in this God sized vision. He's in Indonesia. That's the largest Muslim population in the world. His name is Alex, and I can't pronounce his last name. I just call him T. He was driving a cab 34 years ago. He got saved. He didn't know when you got saved, you couldn't just go start a church, so he did in Indonesia. And do you know what happened? God has blessed it so much that he took the population from about 8%, his church greatly contributed, To 24% of the population today is born-again Christians. Now, he's got a little church this morning. You know how many folks he runs in church? Right at 200,000 people. And he's building a sanctuary that he says will seat 150,000 folks. That's bigger than Jordan Hare or Bryant-Denny Stadium. I mean, do what's happening in other parts of the world, friends? They are saying, Christ, what can we do to lift you up? And, boy, God's doing amazing things. This past week down in the Fiji Islands, Suleosa Carulo, he started 6,000 churches. He had 8,000 pastors for a church planting content. I'm going to be there next year as a part of that church planting. You see, all he knows is God uses, uses I pray that God would raise up Point in that way. Do you realize you can be a leader in what God can do through you? And it needs to happen in America. Let me just conclude, uh, there's a little church not far from you. About 15 years ago, the pastor asked me to come out and said, we're a country church, but folks are moving out from Prattville, and we'd like to know how we can better be hospitable to new folks. And I remember going out there a couple of times, and boy, that little church started to grow. And they asked me last summer to come back out and to speak on a Wednesday night. The church is called Boone's Chapel Baptist Church. If you look up on your GPS, and I was following mine, you get on a dirt road to get there. That's the shortest way, but not the best way. Well, every time I went out there on Wednesday night, this is a country church. This is rural Autauga County. And, man, they had 400 folks there that night for worship. Let me tell you what that little church did. Some time ago, they were complaining about how bad things are in this country. And they were complaining about that atheist out there in California. And he's introduced legislation to take under God, out of our pledge, and in God we trust off of our coins. He's the most high-profile atheist in the world, Michael Newdow. And while they were complaining, you know what a couple of the men said? Why don't we quit complaining about it and do something about it? I said, what do you want to do? He said, why don't we invite him to come visit our church? I said, you got to be kidding. But they invited him. He responded and said, I'll be glad to come. i get $5,000 for an appearance. I said, we ain't asking you for an appearance. We're just asking you to come visit with us, and we'll pay all of your expenses to get here. Let me tell you what happened. Now, this is in your backyard. And it's a little old church. It's small. But they invited Michael and you now. Guess what? He came and spent a weekend. And on the way back, he was stopped by the Associated Press and said, Have you been to church? I said, That's right. I said, Why did you go to that church over in Alabama? He said, In all my life, nobody's ever invited me to a Christian church. And I went because I was invited. Let me ask you, How many folks have you invited? Well, he was standing there, and they said, What's that under your arm? He said, I don't know. They gave it to me. It's a uh, holy Bible. Said, Are you going to read it? He said, Well, it'd be rude if I didn't. Let me tell you what's happened. If Boone's Chapel Baptist Church can have a witness to the highest profile atheist in the world, there ain't nobody in the river region that this church couldn't reach and touch. And let me tell you what I learned. They said, hey, do you know that he's come back and visited a couple of times? And then we talked to him on the phone. And last year when we took our mission trip, we decided to invite him. And he said, I I would love to go, but I can't. But my daughter would like to go. Now, friends, if Boone's Chapel Baptist Church can do that, you can do anything in the world. Change. What doesn't change? That man, his message. And his mission never changes. Don't try to change it. What's got to change? You've got to change your mindset, your methodologies, and your ministers. Now, again, I'm going to conclude by saying where you'll be 25 years from now, I think will be directly related to how well you keep those things that are changeless and lift them up and do them. In the areas where there is change, you're willing to make those changes. Father, I pray for a special blessing upon Center Point, upon John and Debbie. Pray so much for Shane and for this whole staff. No oh God for what you're doing. And may we just always keep in perspective of what's changeless and what's changing, and act appropriately. In Jesus' name. Amen. John Ed, thank you so much. Man, it's such